Good evening. Welcome to Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw. In just a few moments, we'll be talking to our guest, Clarence Weathern. But first, I'd like to tell you about something that I was forced to become obsessed with very recently. Uh, recently, I was on a cruise ship, and I was there as part of an entertainment uh, package led by Jonathan Colton. Uh, so there's a lot of geek comedy and geek music, and there are a lot of geeks on the boat. There are also a lot of normal people. Uh, and if you've never been on a cruise ship, when I say normal people, I mean the horrible stereotypes of who you think would be on a cruise ship. <laughs> Basically, very old people, many of them Southern, who really, really hate life. And it, and it appears that they've become tired of hating life on land. <laughs> so they've decided to hate life on the water for a little while. No, give me, there, there are actually a lot of nice people on the cruise, but most of them are old people who just kind of shuffle about glaring at things like they want to find some way to shout at people to get off their lawns. But there's no lawns because they've put themselves in the middle of the ocean. So when you're on a cruise ship, you, you get stuck with having the where are you from conversation again and again and again. So... I've recently been through the process of having to explain that I'm from Minnesota. And when I explain to people that I'm from Minnesota, I get a wide variety of reactions, all of them negative. <laughs> Sometimes there's sort of confusion, like, Minnesota. Sometimes there's kind of pity, like, oh, Minnesota. And sometimes there's actually a sudden burst of disgust and shock, like, ah! Now, to be fair, not all of these reactions are maybe negative, but I am from Minnesota and incredibly sensitive, so I assume <laughs> that they are negative and they are judging me. So my, my attempts to explain Minnesota were incredibly excited and defensive. I'm, I'm from, you, you don't know about Minnesota. Well, uh, do, you, do you like weather? We, we have weather. Do you like snow? We have that. Do you like oppressive heat? We have that. Like a, a few days that are like normal and bearable, we have that. And then, and then when that started to go poorly, I would just move on to like strange things that I would make up out of the blue. Like, um, you know, there, uh, you know, Minneapolis in particular, you know, you don't, uh, you don't see a lot of homeless people because you know the weather would kill them. So, I mean, clearly we have homeless people, but they go somewhere because you don't see them on the streets because you know they would die. And then when that doesn't seem to work, I, I go to the classic of the arts. And I would say to these old people, like, yeah, Minnesota, you know, we, uh, we have a lot of plays. Do you like, no, plays and shit? No, you hate the theater, right? Okay, uh, you, know, you know how when you're in a hotel room and you, like, see a painting of a duck and it's really shitty? That was probably painted by someone from Minnesota. So hold, hold on to that, oh, you know. A lot of famous people from Minnesota. You got your, your Charles Schultz and Diablo Cody and, and Bob Dylan and Paul Bunyan. And, and, then, and then I would realize I'm just listing people who left the state as soon as they possibly could. <laughs> so then I, that I would attempt to start to summarize that. Yeah, you, Minnesota's cool. You should come check it out because the weather kills vagrants and our chief export is people. 
And we have the arts, you know, the arts. <laughs> and they still would not be convinced. And, and I, I really felt bad that I failed to explain Minnesota well. So the next time I'm on a cruise ship, I've decided I'm going to approach it differently. And I'm going to attempt to explain Minnesota like a hipster would. Minnesota. Yeah, it's this uh, pretty obscure state. <laughs> You've probably never heard of it. Please don't move there. It wouldn't be as cool if you were here. <laughs> and then I'm going to jump on my little unicycle, and I'm going to ride away. <laughs> I think Minnesota actually can be cool if it is described by someone who is not an idiot. So I would like to invite you all to raise your glasses and join me in toasting to Minnesota. Minnesota. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Clarence Weathern. Hello, Clarence. Hello, Joseph. How are you? I am fine. How are you? Good. Good. So, Clarence. Yes. You and I know each other, correct? A bit. Yes. You're going to get distant on me now. No, I'm just saying. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea about how well we know each other. Fair enough. We know each other very well. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. I know. I don't know what I'm I doing. Know. The lights I know. are hot. I know. It's just like I was explaining Minnesota. <laughs> it's just like... So uh, we have done some shows together. We have. Uh, yeah. You you played a role in my little comedy called Adventures in Mating. I did. Jeffrey, the the guy on a blind date that was a choose your own adventure for the yeah. audience. Yeah. And you I, and I had just rewritten the show mm -hmm. to make the revelation that Jeffrey actually only has one testicle. Mm -hmm. That was he had me in mind obviously when he wrote that. I did a I little did. bit because <laughs> I know I knew that you could pull it off and, oh. and oh. I could like. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence is committed. He's a method actor. <laughs> yeah. I knew you could pull it off or tuck it up, whatever you needed to do. Hey. Uh, but you, you came up with all these great, I only have one testicle hand gestures. <laughs> oh, and that was, oh, I could remember them all. It was, it was amazing. It, that, I mean, that's what a, a director and a writer you know, <laughs> hopes for, is somebody who gives them lots of options. Somebody who, who breathes life into the single testicle. Exactly. That one testicle is just alive <laughs> in compensating. Very real. Um, so, you're also a Shakespeare guy, right? I guess, yeah. I, I mean, I, that, I have done a fair amount of Shakespeare as part of, you know, having done theater. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm a Shakespeare guy. Yeah. That was the least dramatic admission I'm of sorry. being a Shakespeare guy. I expected to be yeah, like, well, yes, no. yes. Yes, I am. No, yeah, no, I, I, I very much enjoy Shakespeare, and I like uh, like doing it. I, I, and I'm very proud of, of the shows that I've done that he has written. So, way to go, Shakespeare! <laughs> good, good, good work. Can't blame the writer. Yeah. Nope. Uh, so you're here tonight. Talk about your obsession with what? Peter Gabriel is is my obsession. Yeah, we got some PG fans out there. I can hear. I, it's weird. I'm got very self-conscious about my musical taste now. All of a sudden, um, yeah. No, I've 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 been um, inordinately uh, enamored of, of Peter Gabriel's music. Arrived generally. Cool. See, I'm really excited for this discussion. Really? This is everything I know about Peter Gabriel. Sledgehammer. There you go. That's my entire knowledge. <laughs> As Peter Gabriel. With most people, which is why it's kind of weird, because it's like, uh, you know, there are tons of people who have obsessions with, like, oh, the Beatles or something like that, but it's like, Peter Gabriel? Really? Yeah. I, is he that? Oh, say anything, right? 
you know, or a sledgehammer. So it's just he really was in the movie. Say anything. He was not in the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. He, uh, his song "In Your Eyes," which is off the same album as Sledgehammer, um, was what was playing in the boombox that uh, John Cusack oh, held up in that okay. scene. Cool. In your eyes. It was the deep-voiced throatiness of that. Yeah! Yeah, it was. Peter Gabriel. That was Peter Gabriel, actually. The deep-voiced throatiness gave it away. Uh, so, so when did this start for you? I think it probably goes back to when I was not quite six years old. And I remember my dad... Uh, you got some... No, go ahead. What? No, tell no, me. No, 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 no. Go on. <laughs> well, I, I just remember, uh, you know, being a kid and, and having my dad call me in from the other room. And he'd be like, hey, Weasel, come look. Weasel is my dad's nickname for me. You should know this. Uh, hey, Weasel, come look at this. And it was the Sledgehammer video. And he was like, this is really neat, look at this. And I was like, oh, I, I was really enjoying it, you know, being you know, a little kid. And it was just really visually interesting and, and, and new, innovative thing at the time. And it was just really cool. And I remember that album, So, being just sort of played in the house as a kid. So it was always one of the things that was sort of around as I was growing mm -hmm. up. And why did your father call you Weasel? Um, <laughs> I'm not going to let that one go. No, because um, a friend of his uh, referred to me that way once, and they decided it would be a good nickname for me. Again. So a drunken friend of your father's came over. Probably, yeah. Said, well, hey, not, weasel. No, see, it happened on a boat. It happened on, on a boat. It happened on a, it happened on a, fishing, on a fishing boat. So uh, there were your dad's friend fishermen. came over on a... There were commercial fishermen. Well, my, yeah, the, my dad's friend was, um, and we were on his boat referred to me as Weasel, and my dad decided he liked that. I guess. Okay. This is all, and how old are you? Is this the 1880s that we're talking about? Currently, I am 31. This was, okay. Yeah, this was the early 1980s. Right. Okay, so your, your dad, having nicknamed you what his fisherman buddy thought was an appropriate nickname for his child, lovingly said, Weasel, come look at Sledgehammer. Mm -hmm. Yes, because that's what you do, right? Right. When you have a... A musky rodent as a pet. <laughs> Show them a video. Keep them entertained. So, so you were captured by the visual power of Sledgehammer. Particularly the dancing chickens. I don't know if you all remember that. The chickens. Uh, I, yeah, it was just a really cool thing. And I, and I mean, I enjoyed the music. I had not, you know, at five or six years old, you don't have musical taste particularly. But um, it, I remember I, I was probably 18 when I sort of grabbed a bunch of CDs from home that I was like, oh yeah, this, uh, you know, um, and started listening to them again, and one of them was So. And it just really resonated with me for whatever reason. I just really dug it right then and there. And that started this obsession that lasted for several years where I just, you know, devoured all the rest of his catalog and, and then went on eBay and bought a whole bunch of t-shirts and posters and, you know, so uh, which now I'm selling. <laughs> Aw, that's very sad. No, it's not. So now why are you selling your precious Peter Gabriel t-shirts? Because I, 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 I... Because you like Shakespeare, right? <laughs> right, exactly, because I'm an actor. No, because they're just... I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm selling all my stuff right now. I'm just trying to, trying to get rid of everything. And take off. No, I'm going to fake my own death. That's where I'm going with this, actually. But thanks for making me admit it on a podcast, Joseph. Trying to this, be, will be, this will be your big comeback podcast. Yes. Reveal. Yeah, hang on to this one. That he's never actually been dead. Okay, so, so you... It's reverse you, Bruce Willis. So when you, when, 
you came back to Peter Gabriel and, and decided to, back to him, yeah. devour his... I'm sorry. I love it when people use the word catalog. To me, that yeah. means you're really fucking into a musician. Yeah. If you use the word catalog. Yeah, I guess. So when you purchased his entire catalog... Oh, yeah, including stuff you can't actually get in the U.S. So, like, bootlegs. Bootlegs. You went illegal. I did. I... Hell. What the hell, hell man? Yeah. I'll do it for a really strange demo of Games Without Frontiers, damn it. So, uh, how old were you? Were you in college, did you say? Yeah, I would have been, in, yeah, starting college. Um, so, uh, so what were other people listening to at the time that you were purchasing Peter Gabriel's catalog? Ricky Martin? You know, I don't know. I, 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 I could tell <laughs> you Nothing as good as Peter Gabriel. Nothing as good as Peter. Nobody knows. Nobody loves music so did, like did, I did, do. did people think it was odd that you were, like, I don't know. totally going nuts for Peter Gabriel? Well, you have to understand that I was hanging out with a very small group of people. <laughs> And that they were all very odd themselves. So, uh, did I actually, everybody have a different obscure musician that they were collecting their catalogs? Well, not really. Although, we did sort of, I mean, you know, as friends do, we, we sort of introduce each other to a lot of, a lot of musicians. And I, I, I feel sort of semi responsible for a lot of my other friends becoming Peter Gabriel fans as well, because we would just drive around and listen. I'd be like, hey, listen to this. And how do you live with that guilt? Uh, I'm rather <laughs> proud. I, well, uh, except for maybe inflicting the very, very early Genesis stuff in the early 70s. It's like 26-minute songs. So he was in Genesis. <laughs> he, was the, he was one of the founding members of Genesis. He was, he was the original lead singer uh, when they were a progressive art rock group that did these lavish, spectacle, you know, concerts with really strange lyrics. And did he wear costumes? He wore, yeah, he, he would dress up in costumes. Uh, he, he was well-known for dressing up as a, as a flower or, um, or uh, uh, coming out uh, without telling his bandmates ahead of time. He came out on stage wearing a red dress that was his wife's and a big fox head and singing through that. Um, things like that. That was the kind what of... What an artist. Yes. <laughs> he was very serious. They were super, super he was serious. Very serious. They were. Because it was I'm, all like... I'm a cross-dressing fox. Yes. Take and it was me like, seriously. And it was all this very impressionistic sort of, uh, you know... It, it, so why'd yeah. they kick him out of the band? Well, he left. Well, oh, he left. He left. Okay. <laughs> no, he, uh, he, um, it was basically, from what it sounds like, reading about it, because, you know, they don't, like, bitch about each other or whatever on, on the internet. But um, they, he, he, he was married, and he was having Stealing a... Stealing dresses. He was ha right. He was having a kid, and there were medical complications, and his daughter almost died, and the band was unsympathetic, and kept... And, and, he had to work, and he was writing this album, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, which is this huge, like, two-disc, well, at the time, not disc, but <laughs> this yeah. huge, sweeping concept album that he was writing the lion's share of, and he was sort of becoming the front man in a band that was very, you know, democratic and more collective, and they all kind of resented him for it. And it just, it just seemed like it was an unpleasant sort of environment right. for everybody. So he just kind of walked away and then started a solo career a couple years later. So it sounds, it sounds to me like not only do you like his music, but you, have, you know a lot about the man himself and his life. Yeah, well, I think that's part of it. Like, that's one of the things that, that, that I think is, is, makes it you know, more of an obsession than just, oh, I really like this artist. It's like I've, he's, he's kind of weird. He's kind of awkward. Like when you watch him perform, he looks like he's not really comfortable on stage. <laughs> He wants to be, like, he wants to be singing his heart out and... He's trying to make himself attention. more comfortable with but Fox cosplay. You watch yes. him, exactly, exactly. He was hiding behind stuff, you know, and, and he's, like, kind of awkward in his body, 
Um, but he's really creative and weird, and uh, you know, and, and, and his mind is going in a billion different directions all the time, and he's always starting projects and not finishing them. And I don't know. Sounds so familiar. <laughs> I guess. So you're related to this I guess, scattered yeah. artist. Well, he seemed like he seemed like you know an artist and uh, uh, who was who was at once sort of popular and mainstream. People knew who he was, and especially right. in the mid '80s when So came out, but also was very strange and unknown and didn't and uncommercial and weird and and very pure as an artist, like he just did what he wanted to do and then tried to sell it. And sometimes he couldn't, sometimes he couldn't. You know? Right. So you, you really admire him, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and you think he can do pretty much anything artistically, right? I've never seen him paint. <laughs> um, but do yeah, you think he could beat up other singers? <laughs> I suspect he could beat up Phil Collins. Um, <laughs> but I think that's mainly because Phil Collins is having some medical issues these days. Um, <laughs> Oh, True. Phil Collins oh, burn. Oh, oh, no. Oh, it's really unpopular to rag on Phil Collins, isn't it? Um, is he having, like, kidney issues? That's a good place to punch a man. It is. It is. No, he can't drum anymore. Phil Collins, he, I read something lately um, where he, he's, his hands, he's got nerve damage from, like, 40 years of drumming, and he can't use his hands very well anymore. So he's retired from music. Oh. And he sounded really, like, sad and... and, and regretful about the music success that he's had. Like, he sounded like in, he was apologizing for 80s Genesis and Susudio. And things so like what that. you're saying is when you had a choice to go with him or Peter Gabriel, you made the right choice. I think so. Peter Gabriel's still going strong, right? Still going. <laughs> is, is his later work good? Well, yeah, it's all really good, but he, he waits 10 years before he puts anything out because he, he's always, like... He'll just sit there, and he feels no rush to release an album. There were 10 years between uh, Us, which was 1992, which was the follow-up to So, and the, his next album, Up. It was 92 <laughs> to 2002, and it came out, and nobody cared anymore. Nobody thought it was relevant. I just basically. picture you in a small room pacing back and forth, going, come on, Peter, come on. Yeah, well, and, and in that small room, picture this. I, because I was because I was buying these posters and T-shirts, I had I had a, a, a poster of the cover of So, which is just a picture of Peter Gabriel in black and white on a white background, that was about like this big. Like it was a couple size. feet. It was a couple. Well, Peter Gabriel was twenty feet tall. It was like his head was like this big, and it was like this huge. It was like you know feet wide by feet tall. Yep. And I had it. And I had it. I had these uh, this apartment with these big vaulted ceilings, and I had it like up in the middle, up at the top looking down at everyone as they walked into my apartment, so dates were awesome. Uh, so did, did giant Peter Gabriel end up cockbocking you, or? No, 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 I, I never had any girls over. <laughs> kidding? <laughs> you never got the chance, that asshole. So uh, you've seen him live, right? Yes. How many times? Once. Oh, only oh, once? He doesn't do it a lot. I, I, thought, you, I thought you like followed him around the country like he was the Grateful Dead. No. No, uh, he, <laughs> I did see Whether it, like, he's doing concerts or not, yeah, just yeah. follow him around the country. Oh, he's going to go to the bathroom at a Carl's Jr. I'm going to be there. <laughs> no, he... <laughs> what if he makes music of some kind? I can't miss this. I want to hear what he does percussively with that porcelain. Um, what? Uh, but, no, I saw him in 2003 when he toured for that album Up. 
uh, in Dallas. Um, I was living in New Orleans at the time, which is where I'm from, and um, some friends of mine were getting married like a week before he was going to be playing there, so it was like, awesome, we'll come to your wedding. <laughs> and we stuck around a few extra days. And so you used nothing. your friends to see Peter Griffin. Did you meet no, him? No. Did you try? No. Why not? Well, I, I, how could you? I don't want to fly too close to the sun like Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me, let me try to summarize your obsession with Peter Gabriel. Oh, there's so much left out, though. Well, <laughs> come back for If I leave anything out, just jump in. <laughs> Something you think is really vital. When you were a small child, your father took you on a fishing boat. You were given the name Weasel, and it scarred you. And your father brought you into the living room to see Peter Gabriel's video for Sledgehammer, and you were awed by his creativity and his power, and so you followed him through life putting giant, imposing posters of him on your walls and pacing and waiting until you could actually hear him live in person. Sure, yeah. Also, yeah. you, you relate to his, his twisted artistic His twisted background. artistic background, his weird, awkwardness. And, uh, well, I did, well, we did, well, it wasn't live, but we just saw him. My girlfriend and I went and saw he had, uh, uh, it was, uh, in theaters, they were doing, um, like, these, Fathom events, these live events. Right. His concert in 3D of this, he's, he just recently released an album of him doing uh, orchestral covers of other people's songs, and he toured doing orchestral arrangements of his own songs. And he did this as a concert. It was really cool. So you went to a movie theater to I see I went to a movie theater live. to pretend that I was seeing him live. <laughs> <laughs> and it was good. You enjoyed it. It was very good, yeah. Awesome. So do you, is there anything else you feel you must say about Peter Gabriel? I don't know. There's so much to be said, right? <laughs> There's so much that wants to come out. No, I have no idea. I, uh, what do you want to know? What do you want to know about Peter Gabriel? What color are his eyes? I think they're blue. How can you not know? <laughs> the poster was black and white. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so Clarence, let's get into our, our, let's end with some serious, pompous, artsy questions. Are you ready? Okay. If Shakespeare were alive today, what would you say to him? Uh, okay, I would tell him uh, there's a set designer that I knew in college that, <laughs> that wanted, she, she always fantasized, she didn't have a show for it, but she always fantasized about designing a set that was large drinks, big bar drinks, like these beers and whiskey that we have arrayed here. And she's like, I don't know what I'd do that for. So I suggested that she do a version of Othello that was, uh, they were, so uh, Othello was a black olive. And uh, Desdemona was a pearl onion. And Iago was either a green olive, because he's jealous, or he was a pretzel. And I guess everyone else is peanuts. I don't know. It was a bar snack, Othello. So I would ask him for his blessing or his opinion. Or... I'm having so much fun in my mind imagining this cocktail party where, like, hey, Shakespeare came back. Right? And you've cornered him. I've got him. And are describing I've this. got him in the bathroom. And he, in the Carl's Jr. In the Carl's Jr. You met Shakespeare in the bathroom of the Carl's Jr. And you could describe a fucking weird presentation of Othello. Yeah. It would be olive-based. Yes. Wonderful. Okay, so 
Our second pompous question, it said that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. <laughs> Do you believe this extends to cowbells? Are they, are they cow angels as well? Yes. In that case, I would have to say yes. Wonderful. I, I like to imagine a world where cows get to be angels too. Do you have any cow-based Shakespeare productions you'd like to describe? <laughs> no, but one time, uh, my <laughs> one time, um, my my ex-girlfriend and I uh, went went uh, for Halloween last last minute um, as <laughs> as Hamlet and a cow, <laughs> Hamlet and his cow. She said, because she had a cow costume and I had this Elizabethan outfit, mm -hmm. so we went as Hamlet and a cow in for Halloween. <laughs> Were this you, is, were you this Hamlet is, or the cow? I was Hamlet. Um, so, whatever you make of that. I, I will say, speaking, well, it wasn't one of those things where it was like, like a two-sided thing where she was like the back of a cow and you were the front of Hamlet, pretty much. <laughs> no, we were not a centaur thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but we, uh, uh, speaking of girlfriends, though, uh, back, to the, <laughs> back to Peter Gabriel. Uh, I was thinking about why, why I like him. I, I, this was really funny. Uh, not the same girlfriend, another ex-girlfriend said, I think I know why you like Peter Gabriel so much while we were listening to him. And she said, he always sounds like he's in pain. And that's a different, that's not the cowgirl friend. That's not the cowgirl friend, no. And, and how did you respond? I, I think I might have just said, maybe. You might be right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then how did that relationship end? Well, no. <laughs> this is a perfect segue into our last question. Yes. What is happiness? A cruel myth. <laughs> no, I was going to say being here with you, but Ari stole that one. That's okay. Yeah. Do, do you want to try one more time to say what is happiness and sure. see if something slightly less depressing comes out? <laughs> uh, yes. Here, let me, let me set you up one more time. You ready? What is happiness? Happiness is driving down the road. You're so full down, of shit. Listening to Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Clarence Weathern. <laughs> Obsessed. Obsessed. Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw.